I, uh, I don't know if you've seen this viral trend that's happened over the past couple of years. Um, it's based on an experiment that was done about 15 years ago, the marshmallow experiment, maybe you've seen it, uh, where they would give a child you know, a marshmallow. It was basically an experiment on delayed gratification, right? And so parents were copying this experiment with their own children and posting videos online, and it was hilarious as you can imagine, right? So the parent or guardian, whatever, would say, um, I'm going to give you uh, a marshmallow, vegan of course, um, I'm going to give you a marshmallow or chocolate or a gummy bear and I'm going to put it right here on, on this plate, on this table, um, and if you wait until I get back, I'll give you another one. So your choice is you can eat it now, right? Or you can wait until I come back and I'll give you another one so you'll have two. And so you watch the kids' reactions as soon as, you know, the person walks out of the, out of the room. They literally look like they have ants in their pants, like they're squirming, they can't sit still, um, they're getting as close as they possibly can to the treat without eating it, they're smelling it, they're holding it. Like it's some precious treasure, they are, you know, taking the teeniest, tiniest bite or like sticking out their tongue just a little bit just to taste it. Um, they're going crazy, you know, just trying to hold out until until uh, their parent gets back. And then some kids just don't care and they just eat it right away. And that's, of course, funny, too. So, um, you know, parents were posting these videos online and, and you can watch them, I'm sure. Um, but it's so funny because, you know, kids are so here and now and literal and 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 delayed gratification is you know kind of a, a challenging concept for them um, but really in reality it's hard for us too isn't it more and more we have to wait less and less for things um, I think of Amazon right Amazon is great and it's also really bad <laughs> um, Amazon two-day shipping or even overnight shipping um, sometimes you can get stuff same day and and you have to wait almost you know just a couple of hours to get something uh, instacart has anyone used instacart yes yes I'm mad at instacart because it's getting more and more expensive and I don't know why that is because it's so convenient and it's so nice and the word insta instant is in in the title in the name uh, instacart is great especially when you have little tiny children and getting to the grocery store is hard um, DoorDash. Has anyone used DoorDash or, or Grubhub or any of those uh, food delivery services? It's pretty nice because you don't even have to get up off your couch and you can have, you know, something extremely healthy delivered to you. Um, <laughs> uh, movie, TV streaming, right? We don't even have to go um, wait for a video to come out. We can watch it right from our couch. Um, we don't have to um, wait for Monday night for our TV show. We can binge watch um, as many. Kids, did you know that there was a time when you could only watch your show when it aired on TV? And you had to sit through the commercials. You couldn't click skip ad. That was not that long ago. Um, movie TV streaming has made things so much easier and we don't even have to wait through commercials if you pay just a couple dollars more right per month we're spoiled when it comes to instant gratification today we are continuing our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount and our text for today talks about storing up treasures in heaven focusing our eyes on something better and not losing sight 
of what truly matters and what is to come. If you have your Bibles with you, um, please open them uh, if you have it on your phone. I think we're gonna have the text on the screen as well for you if you would like to read it that way, but I always like to see it all for myself. So if you wanna open with me, it's Matthew chapter six, verse 19. And if you're new to uh, finding things in your Bible, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament and it's about two-thirds of the way through, uh, through the whole Bible. So you can look for it there. We're looking for big number six, little number 19. And Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, in Jesus' day, storing up treasure and money was a bit challenging. Today, we have a bank account, and we swipe our card, and we have access to our funds, um, and it's pretty easy, instant even. Um, maybe we have a safety deposit box at the bank, um, or a safe in our home to store valuable items. There are many ways to store and hide our valuables and to keep them safe, but this was not the case when Jesus was preaching on the mountainside. Some people would invest their money back then with the money changers. Um, others would actually bury their money or valuable items or store them in caves. Can you imagine? Therefore, there were obvious issues, of course, with these storage methods. Um, fabrics, no matter how expensive they are, they, moths love it. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I pulled something out of my closet and there's a hole in it and it's just so frustrating, right? It doesn't matter how expensive the fabric is. Um, worms would eat away at things. Um, rodents are tenacious and they, they, they can chew and scratch through just about anything. Um, and some versions of the text mention um, rust also as something that can plague our, our valuable items. And we can imagine what might happen to a coin if it were to get wet, right? Their money were, was coins um, back in that time. So, Rust could certainly damage coins and, and money that people were storing, maybe in the ground even after a good rain. Um, being a Southern California girl, I was shocked when um, in staff meeting this past week, Pastor Mark was describing all that they have to do in Canada to um, keep their cars in good shape, right? So um, because it's cold, they salt the roads, apparently rust is a really big issue. And um, he was describing how they have to wash their cars and apparently that's a whole process and anyone I'm sure who's lived in a cold part knows, uh, knows what he's talking about, but um, they have to wash their cars and, and if, I'm, if, I'm, if I remember right, um, that's a process because you water freezes pretty quickly and you can't open your doors <laughs> if you wash your car. So he's describing what they have to do to take care of their cars and he thinks Canada's better, you know. Uh, I'm just saying, I haven't washed my car in months. No rust, just dirt, <laughs> a lot of dirt. God made dirt, dirt don't hurt. <laughs> I'm joking, but moths and vermin and rust, they destroy, right? and thieves break in and steal. 
none of which we will encounter in heaven. And it can be so easy to treasure material things and to become obsessed with acquiring. We check our bank account and do whatever we can to keep that number growing. We might even become fixated on giving the appearance of having wealth, right? To try to prove our worth in some way. We, we rack up debt just to look like we have money not living within our means, getting into debt. We've been conditioned by society to feel embarrassed when we uh, have less than someone else, and we feel pressure to keep up with the Joneses or surpass them in some way. And all of this, Jesus cautions us against. All of this is pointless, meaningless, and ultimately valueless. And I'm not saying that it's bad to be rich, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive to be successful, but how we treat our riches and how we define our success is important. And it's important to Jesus. And he says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your heart today? And what do you treasure? Is, is it in this earth or in the kingdom of heaven? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can I tell you, Jesus wants your heart. And I know that sounds cheesy. I know we've said it a million times. But where your heart is and who has your heart is very important to Jesus. Um, Jesus wants us to be more selfless and more generous. He wants us to be more kingdom focused. He doesn't want us to be selfish and greedy and um, storing up things on this earth that ultimately have no value. He wants us to remember that what he's given us is for us to bless others and to grow his kingdom, not to store up for ourselves. That is what it means to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. You know, this world has nothing enduring or truly valuable to offer. Yes, enjoy this life, make the most of it. Um, we don't have to live this sad existence just to store up treasures in heaven. Um, but while we live this life, this life that we've been given, we should remain focused on Jesus and his kingdom when we remain focused on Jesus and his kingdom and live according to God's purpose, that is where we will find true joy. That is where we will find lasting and enduring joy. Have you ever gotten a toy as a kid that you just could not wait to have? And yes, it was great and it was fun and you played with it uh, maybe for a few days or a couple weeks, but then it kind of just loses its excitement, right? Things do not bring us joy or enduring joy, lasting joy, true joy, but true joy comes not from acquiring or saving or storing, but from loving and serving and giving. And I'm gonna go a bit out of order in our text if you're reading along with me, um, but I promise we'll come back, okay? Don't you worry, we'll come back, but we're gonna skip down to verse 24. And if you'll read it with me, it says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
In ancient times, two masters rarely shared slaves. I mean, this like almost never happened, right? So there's that point that Jesus is trying to make. But if it were to happen, there might have been moments in which it appeared to be working, but ultimately the interests of one master would clash with the interests and the values of the other. So let's imagine what this clashing might look like today in our world. And I wanna preface this by saying I recognize that some people have done these things and I recognize that um, some people have made great sacrifices and I had to ask myself these same questions and, and give it some thought. But if God called you today to leave your job, become a missionary in another part of the world, to serve his people and grow his kingdom, if God called you to do that, could you do it? If God impressed you to give monthly to that Christian radio station, could you do it? If that job is interfering with your ability to keep the Sabbath, what will you do about it? Sometimes we are called to make a choice between God and money. And this is hard because money gives us a sense of, of security. Money gives us a sense of comfort and control and certainty. Money feels deeply personal. Isn't that why we don't like to talk about finances? Isn't that why we feel so awkward during those stewardship sermons and we just sit through it and smile? Let me tell you, it's more awkward to preach a stewardship sermon than to sit through one. Um, we don't like talking about money, but Jesus did talk about it. The story of the rich young ruler, for example, if you want to read with me, um, this is also in Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. And it says, I'll give you just a moment. It says, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what, about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good, and if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and your mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and the guy says, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. You cannot serve both God and money. Your Bible translation may say, you cannot serve both God and mammon. And if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. Mammon, mammon, I don't know. Um, do you guys know what that means? Because I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I had to look it up. Um, but apparently, according to some commentaries, mammon um, has to do with gain, with acquiring wealth. Yes, it can be accurately translated as money, but it has more to do with the acquiring of wealth. Um, gain, um, money, possessions. Um, Jesus is personifying mammon as if it were an idol, another god, and no person can serve two masters, let alone two gods. 
And sometimes we are called to make a choice between God and money. And this is hard because money gives us a sense of security. Money gives us comfort and control and certainty. And Jesus is calling us to love and trust him, not love and trust in money. Money actually provides a false sense of security and certainty. Money and gain might seem to offer a hopeful future, and it certainly makes many things easier. You can have some fun with money, right? (laughs) But as we read in the Bible, as we read in the beginning of this passage, it it can all be destroyed. It can all be ruined. Does anyone remember Blockbuster? Blockbuster. I remember the smell of the movie rental stores. If you have like some VHSs stored away and you open up that box, it'll give you a whiff of that smell, um, that plasticky smell. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? No? Yes? I see some yeses. Okay. All right. That plasticky smell. Those movie rental stores, they were everywhere, right? They were in every shopping center. You saw them every single day until what happened? Until Netflix, right? until Netflix created a subscription-based business that would send DVDs straight to your door. And Redbox made movie vending machines. And online streaming businesses grew from that. A once highly successful business got wiped out. And all kinds of unpredictable things can happen in this world. Who knew that a pandemic would later ensue as we celebrated New Year in 2020? and it changed so much about our world and our lives and our jobs, our finances. Money, gain, success can seem to provide security and certainty and comfort, but it's a false sense. My high school history and government teacher would often quote uh, Benjamin Franklin's famous words, nothing is certain except Death and taxes, that's right. Nothing is certain except death and taxes. You cannot serve both God and money. Nothing is certain in this world. Now, if you thought this passage was just about money, we'll see right now that it's actually about much more than that. The middle of this passage, it's like a sandwich, the middle of this passage is really the heart of what Jesus is trying to communicate here. So let's read together Matthew chapter 6, verses 21 through 23. 21 through 23. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now this piece of the text seems random and out of place and maybe even a bit confusing. Like what is Jesus saying here? Uh, The beginning and the end are talking about treasures, about money. Um, But this middle part is talking about like glaucoma or something. What is Jesus saying here? I'm sure I'll I'll share my testimony with you um, in my call to ministry at some point. But 
It was not always my, my goal and my dream to become a pastor. Um, it was actually a call that I resisted for quite a while, but the Lord was patient with me, praise God. And, uh, you know, my, my goal, my dream, was actually to become a physician. As a little kid, I would give my, my parents checkups with my pretend doctor kit. And I remember in, like, fourth and fifth grade being glued to the TV watching these medical mystery shows. And I remember um, in high school, my favorite subjects were... Um, Bible and science. I loved the sciences. And in college, I remember I, I, was, I started out pre-nursing and, and eventually did pre-med. And I remember in my anatomy and physiology classes, leaving, feeling so in awe of our creator. I've always been fascinated by the human body and, and just in awe that God created it all so perfectly. And one of the things that I took away from those classes is that while we know a lot about the human body, it's remarkable how much we know, yet there's still so much that we have yet to understand. And this may be up for debate, but I've been told that the human eye is the second most complex organ in the body. Um, the brain, of course, is number one, but the eye is the second most complex organ in the body, and we still have so much to learn about how our eyes work. In Jesus' day, it was believed that the eye somehow emitted light, and that's how they were able to see. That's why Jesus says to his listeners in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And this is what Jesus' listeners would have understood. We, we know a little bit more about the anatomy and physiology of the eye today. Um, I had a picture, but it seems like our slides are not working today, so that's okay. Um, but we have um, many healthcare professionals here. Oh, it's working, it's working. Okay, um, this is uh, a picture of the eye, a very simplified version of it, and I'm not going to pretend like I know um, a lot, but uh, I just want to point out a few things, okay? So we know that light, you can see on the left side, it's gray, it has a little person and it says light. Light enters through the pupil of the eye, the center, that little black part of your eye. And it passes through the lens, which is kind of that light uh, blue oval shape. And that lens then um, inverts and focuses the image on the back of the eye. And then the back of the eye the, um, takes the information through the optic nerve to the brain, which processes and reverts the, the image. And so this is basically how we, and I hope I got that right, um, how we see. Um, but this, this structure right here, the lens, that's... That's important because it's what allows us to see clearly, right? It's what allows us to focus. A healthy eye can do all of this and we will have clear vision, but an unhealthy eye will result in blurry or loss of vision. A healthy eye is able to focus, but an unhealthy eye simply cannot see. So what does the eye have to do with treasures and money? This eye lesson is sandwiched in the middle of a lesson on treasures, and we see this in scripture a lot, actually. Um, when something is 
placed in, in the middle of, of a text, and it seems to not fit, it's, it's an interlude, um, it's usually like the author is trying to highlight and bold and underline um, what is about to be said. So why is it here? And what does it have to do with money? Some have suggested that the term healthy has to do with um, generosity. And um, unhealthy has to do with stinginess. And that could certainly be. Um, that could certainly be. But I wonder if it also might have to do with the function of the eye. When we look at something, light information passes through the pupil where the lens focuses it on the back of the eye, and that information is processed in the brain. It could be that our focus is the whole point. I think we have all experienced that challenge of trying to read something far away, and you're squinting and you're focusing really hard, um, intently looking at whatever it is to try to make out the characters, to try to read what it says. I think that it's that kind of focus that Jesus wants us to have on him and his kingdom. What our eyes are focused on and where our heart lies, that's important to Jesus. Where are our eyes focused and where does our heart lie? That is the question we have to answer for ourselves today. What do you treasure the most? Jesus is challenging us to get our eyes checked and to shift our focus on him. And when we find ourselves looking elsewhere for joy and gratification and comfort and control and security, to turn back to him and to focus on him. We cannot focus on two things at once. Have you ever tried? You cannot focus on two things at once, either we'll be focused on Jesus or we'll be focused on the world. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve both God and money. And this is hard to accept because money gives us a sense of security. And money gives us comfort and control and certainty. But it's a false sense. And Jesus is calling us to love and to trust in him. He's cautioning us against loving and trusting money or anything else that this world has to offer. We have everything to gain when we focus on him and his kingdom. We have everything to lose when we focus on earthly treasures where moths and vermin and rust destroy and thieves can break in and steal. Where does your heart lie? And where are your eyes focused? Let's bow our heads. Our loving God, we thank you so much for um, this morning, the Sabbath, in which we got to come together and worship you, Lord. And I pray that this worship service will um, prime us for the week and weeks to come, that we might remain focused on you and not lose sight of you and your kingdom. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would um, impress upon each and every one of us how we can serve you and how we can grow your kingdom. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.